So yesterday I went for a run, and I'm, I'm heading into this um, half marathon. Ah. Dave, my brother Dave, who's doing a lot of lifting all of a sudden, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is totally juicing because he was like, no. oh, buy this powder. So I'm like, all right, so I buy this powder. I did it. First of all, I thought I had nerve damage. <laughs> because I'm like, ding, 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 ding. there's like pinpricks all over my body. My body. I'm like, what the fuck? And then I'm running like a maniac, like fast. And I realize I ha- there's a ballad. And my earbuds, uh-huh. like a slow ballad. I'm like, it was nothing short. I've never really understood when people say like, caffeine's a drug. I'm like, ah, fuck yourself. Right. This was so compact with caffeine that it was a drug. Wow. It really ruined me. Human growth hormone. <laughs> Anyways, what, what a waste of a fucking hormone, humans, on you. Oh, my God. I man. know, I know. Sorry, this has nothing to do with movies. I apologize. This is a bad intro. Uh, hello, Mr. Finley. <laughs> How are you, Mr. Finley? How are you? Good, man. Hey, I got to say, like, I, 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 I'm sorry for our listeners that they don't get to see you. Because Joe over here, when he, when he decides to, like... Chill. He chills like a fucking champion, man. He's like he looks like Alan Alda from Mash. He just has the robe. We're out here. He's wearing a robe. He's wearing clothes underneath it, which is a, which is a blessing. But. I'm wearing a robe. I'm wearing a suit. But. <laughs> no, no, come on, stop it. This is a famous yes ending that we're, okay. that we're known for. Anyways, yeah, on, yeah. onwards and upwards. Onwards and upwards, sir. We're, we're talking about the fucking Charlie Chaplin. Never heard of him. <laughs> never. Who's Rigoletto, that? never heard of him. Who's this punk? Yeah. Well, you actually, well, this is, there's some the truth to this, because I've been a Chaplin fan for a long time. And this is my first, this is my first real foray into watching Charlie Chaplin. Uh, I'm interested to find out what you think of the different movies that we're going to tackle, because they're yeah. very different. They are different. In very, very different ways, I yeah. say, right? Sure, sure, sure. I so, mean, the most I've seen of Chaplin was that movie by what's... Uh, Fucking, uh, what's his name? Uh, Robert Downey Jr. from like the 90s or whatever. You saw, the only Chaplin you've seen is Robert Downey Jr.'s Chaplin? Mini Chaplin, yeah. That's, I don't know what to think of you now. Yeah. It's less, certainly, yeah. than it was 10 minutes ago, but it's possible. Imagine, imagine <laughs> how that's possible. I can't. Yeah, Chaplin is fucking, I mean, I mean, even if you don't like Chaplin, I need to get to this place with Laurel and Hardy, because I don't care for Laurel and Hardy. You don't. Um, but Which blows my mind, i got to be honest. I'm but a I, huge Laurel and Hardy I also fan. don't, um, yeah, now I get that, and so, so is my brother Dave. Um, I, but I also don't, like, appreciate them. I, I don't also like, ah, oh, but I, I admit they're geniuses. And I think it's really just not enough exposure, probably. Maybe. Likely. And also, there's there's a whole history behind some of these guys. So it's like, you know, Fatty Arbuckle, who I'd love to do a show on sometime, oh, yeah, the yeah. ultimate party animal, um, had his own sort of historic problems that, that, that you know, it, there's a reason we don't, we don't know think yet. of him right. as, as the same way as Charlie Chaplin. Right. Harold Lloyd famously the Harvey Weinstein of his day. You know, Harvey Weinstein. Harold Lloyd, who is also a, a fucking great, mm-hmm. you know, uh, comedic, silent film genius, right. um, famously would not allow television when it came along to show his movies. He thought that was the smart move. I know what a fuckface, right? <laughs> so I think that's the reason he's just sort of wow. known in academic circles for right. a long time. I'd like to get into. I'd like to check out Keaton too. I don't really know. Yeah, Keaton's an interesting. She's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, but Chaplin is interesting in so many ways. I mean, he's he's um, he's got this very tragic sort of personal story at different stages in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the the business, he and like Pickford and and D. W. Griffith all got together and uh, created United Artists. Yeah, United Artists yeah. and. In the mid-teens. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was like probably the first case, 
really no, we did the show on uh, Mabel Norman and, right. and Lo- Lois Weber. Like the beginnings of yeah, like old, I, old, like the beginnings of movie making, not Hollywood really, but movie making. Well, they, and they precede Chaplin and D. W. Griffith, right. but of course because they're women rather than like women working on, with men in the power structure. Mm-hmm. And no matter what they did in a pioneering fashion, it couldn't last and be their own. Whereas Chaplin, D.W. Griffith, and then yeah. Fairbanks and Pickford getting together and creating United Artists, like, let's put this in our own hands. Let's not beg for money from the outside anymore. Right. And it was artists running the studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, which running of, the madhouse. You know, and then it became a studio system later on 30s and 40s sure, to get back to the Xanax and all that fucking shit. But, right. but Chaplin is, is an early guy sort of taking the bull by the horns, and he made these amazing... He had a smart had, fucking... He had a canny business. Oh, so that's, like, oh, that's very obvious. I yeah. mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. From, from the results he was able to achieve, the movies he was able to make, really on his fucking own terms. On his terms. Some of which probably would have been better with somebody else's input in them, I, I would I would hesitate to say. But uh, like The Great Dictator, I think I think it was a great movie, but, but, but he could have used a little bit more input, I think, on that one. Uh, but the movies we're talking about today are like really like in his hands. Stunned. I'm stunned at the silence already. <laughs> yes, perfect. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he done all these shorts in the teens, and if you ever seen some of mm-hmm. them, like, and and try for some reason, there's a movement to redo the music. He composed or or had he oversaw a lot of the right, composition. He was a composer. He too. wrote, produced, directed, starred. Fuck. Um, fucking brilliant. Had a body like a fucking ballet dancer. Right. I mean, just had amazing, crazy fucking shit with timing. that body. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I would say uh, even better than like Jim Carrey in terms of use of like his his face for comedic value right, yeah. in conjunction with his body. Um, you know, but he's he's making all these shorts like the immigrant and mm-hmm. and you know uh, classically the the sort of the tramp obviously right. of course well the tramp is yeah the central character of all of his movies really but to different degrees you know right. like it, it's in the first one so the first one we're looking at is 1921's the kid the kid which is his first full length right. um, movie which when we say full length we mean what an hour it's like a little over think, an hour just a little over an hour but right. still it's full it's length. not you know 17 minutes or something like yeah. that. And, you know, Chaplin is, um, I think, still a little stuck in the trampiest of the tramp stuff. You know, sure. I mean, it's like holes in the, the the ridiculous sort of clown shoes and all this. Well, yeah, and also, but it's also this really neat thing that you see other people have tried to sort of emulate over the years since then. Yeah. That they don't pull off. Uh, you know, uh, Ernest P. Worrells, you know, for the, the sort of the way he lives in a world of sort of childish gimmicks that help him. So in the, so in his, so in like in the kid he's got like his bread spread like his his big sleepy blanket yep. but when the sleeping is over there's a big hole in the middle of it for no reason until he puts his head in it and it becomes a poncho and he just wears it around the house and it's like yeah. that that kind of like like you know, um, what do you want to call it? Like bum uh, convenience is built into well, his world is really fascinating. It's the freedom of the disenfranchised, yeah, right? Course, Which is right. always always a weird sort of freedom, mm-hmm. like to, freedom to be weird and create things and you imaginative, know. right? He's imaginative as fuck. It just yeah. how he lives his life. Yeah, yeah. So That's gets, like and and oh, go on. No, I was gonna say what's I, now I can't think of the guy's name, but Doug, um, who's the fucking like crazy alcoholic uh, comic? He now was a weird suit. Stanhope is Doug Stanhope, <laughs> who, who I love. I've seen uh, a few times, yeah, but yeah. you know his girlfriend Bingo. They live. Right. They live in Bisbee, Arizona, and you know he's this sort of psychotic, you know, schizophrenic girlfriend. And, mm-hmm. and you know, my father was a little like this too. But like, you come home and it's like I've planted a garden, and it's like um, all the kitchen, the flatware, the, the <laughs> knives, forks are like planted in right. like a half acre space. Right, right, right. You know, but it's also yeah, it's the freedom of the, the creative weirdo who's who's been marginalized enough that mm-hmm. he can be you know interesting like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, also the film is this film announces I think ultimately what all of his films get at, and it, it's it actually has it as a title card, which is this movie will give you a laugh. 
laugh and perhaps a tear. Perhaps a tear. Sure and it enough. Does. And, and I think that's that's the fascinating part of of, of Chaplin from mm-hmm. the beginning is that he's not simply playing for falling down laughter. Right. He constantly brings you through the sentimental mm-hmm. and and the sad. The downright and, sad. Yeah, absolutely. I and the loneliness. That's the hardest thing for like you know speaking as a comedian. Yeah. I, I can think of only one like really great standup who did, who did that on a regular basis, which was Pryor. Pryor he's the only yeah, person of who course. Can yeah. bring you into sadness and then laugh the next minute that's a fucking that's that's a comedic genius well that's, and that's what, what that's what this, this guy brings to it's it. become kind of well-worn for like stand-up comics but it's like you have to be real about your own life and it sounds like corny but i think there's a, an element of truth to that that right. you have to be genuine and that's what makes a great comic rather than a, a good comic who understands the craft Chaplin clearly understood this in terms of characters and filmmaking yeah. and storytelling yeah. early on and that yeah. that first movie also has a hint of like um, what had been happening from like the turn of the century to about 1920, and that's like Stephen Crane, Theodore Dreiser, and it's the sort of like the story told from the, the point of view of the people from the streets, right? Mm-hmm. Um, naturalism, right? Right. Okay, so so and go I gotta say, I, okay, here's here's a fucking genius, an entertainment yep. genius, an entertainment genius that can cre- create an incredible rapport with a yep. five year old. Oh yeah, his the, their rapport during the filming of this movie is really amazing. Because I mean, perhaps they are on a fucking page. Maybe my favorite classic um, comedian of mm-hmm. all time is actually W. C. Fields. I think you might even like sure. him more than Charlie Chaplin. Mm-hmm. But you know, W. C. Fields is in, in a way he cops out in comparison to Chaplin because W. C. Fields gets a laugh by like hating children and dogs. Right. Chaplin doesn't do that. Chaplin can be annoyed. With, with Jackie Coogan, the child, and, and treat him like too much of an adult, but he also isn't afraid to like absolutely show that he is in love with this child. Right. And then, of course, let's just describe the, the, the premise, right? Which is sure. that, you know, an unwed mother, mm-hmm. um, you know, by the way, you were talking about, sorry, I'm skipping all over the place, but, yeah. but you, you disliked them. Howard Hughes' The Outlaw for this reason that it was like too much like an instructional video on how to make movies. Yeah, it was. It was this well. one you can clearly see as Chaplin's first full length movie because like establishing shot, another establishing shot. Then, the, you know, it's like too right. much spoon feeding. Uh, no, I get to watch through. that at the same time, but here's the thing that yep. makes it okay, which is that he's, yeah, he's spoon feeding you, but it's so fucking fast that it, it never fast. loses the pain. Yes, okay. The pace moves at exactly the right clip. It's beautiful time. It is great, yeah. Which is, again, is why you you really need to see any of his movies with the original soundtrack intact and not some sort of weirdo from NYU who wants to reconceptualize the score. I've seen a couple of those with the shorts and they're terrible. With Anya. No. <laughs> Slow ride. So, uh, <laughs> so um, you know the, the premise here is it's very sort of um, you know naturalist writer premise, and sure. she comes out of the unwed mothers institute, mm-hmm. um, which has she, like, which is a padlock on the front. Yeah, door. <laughs> and they're you can see they're, they're none too kind to her, mm-hmm. um, and and she comes out and she's just like I don't know what to do with this bundle in my hand. Oh, what was me? And she decides she she wa- wanders into a neighborhood with the rich folks and decides right. the best thing to do would be to leave it in a limousine right essentially um, and then and then I mean, two, two guys from central casting show up well okay so here's another thing yeah so she leaves in a limousine and, and then wanders off thinking the rich people will find the baby right, take care take of it care. with a note on, on the baby yeah well okay so this is another problem with, with early Chaplin films <laughs> is you get a good print like the one I think you must have seen the same print it's mm-hmm. a great restoration yeah. restoration does bad things to films from this era mm-hmm. in that like those two characters the, the, the two robber, like thieves who robbed the car with the baby in it right 
they have like kabuki yeah. makeup on. I mean, yeah. it's insane. It's a little grotesque. It gets even weirder with like the with the with the tough guy later on. Yeah. So oh yeah. <laughs> so so I mean anyway. So so they um, uh, rip the car off. They all of a sudden realize there's a baby in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, they abandon the baby a second time. The baby's some, abandoned to, some in an skin alley. Rowash area. Yeah. And it, uh, uh, up for his morning constitution is, <laughs> is chaplain as a tramp mm-hmm. smoking a cigarette finds the baby and and it, tries it, every way he can to give the baby to somebody who was more responsible than himself. His trying to get rid of that baby is like, that's what I mean. You feel bad for him even when he's trying to get rid of a poor baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you sympathize. Mm-hmm. He elicits sympathy and empathy from an audience. Yeah, it's yeah, really, yeah. even this in this first film, which is the crudest of his full length films, mm-hmm. it's he's making some masterful moves, I feel. Yeah. And then, of course, cut to the things you were talking about. Like his five years later, he's raising the child, Jackie mm-hmm. Coogan. He's got he's got like this whole set. Again, he's got this whole like fucking you know setup for on how to raise the kid. Coffee he's pedal, like, uh, uh, coffee kettle uh, hanging from a rope with right. a nipple on it. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking beautiful. Huh? Yeah, it's great. And but it's clear that like you know you see the kid sort of start to grow up. And um, how much the kid has loves him, right? Of course, has taken to his way of life. Mm-hmm. This sort of like you know ne'er do well con man way of life. They have this racket going where Jackie Coogan goes out and breaks <laughs> windows with a rock, and two minutes later, Chaplin comes Just along. Happens to wonder why with glass on his back. Glass on his back as a window uh, pane, you know, installer. <laughs> Um, you know these great scenes where uh, always in those films it was sort of like a mandatory I think that um, the, cop. the cop like the, mm. the slow turn toward the cop like oh there's a cop behind me <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. or, or better yet the backing away into, yeah. the, into the arms of a cop yeah right? and you right. start yeah, instead of turning around you, mm. you, um, you reach around and feel the cop muscles and then the badge <laughs> whoa, whoa, and away we go right right you know so it's corny and it's like you know the reference you, you reference the tough guy later on there's a fight between Jackie oh. Coogan and the neighborhood tough kid and, and Coogan's Winning, right? This fucking ridiculous-looking muscle-bound, like jerk. literally, like with with like a, not just a muscle suit, but like an inflated muscle. Yeah, it's suit like sweatshirts stuffed stuffed. Right, in it looks, it's like, it looks like a guy who's, who who is basically designed to, to say the word moida. But yeah, <laughs> that's what he looks like. <laughs> like another person moida. we don't love. It yeah. was moida, Sam. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, so, um, and you know, this muscle man comes along and, and tells Chaplin, if, if, if your kid beats up my kid brother, I'll beat you up. And all of a sudden you see Chaplin change his tune and like, you little brat, what are you doing? You know, it's just, a, it's he tries to make the kid throw the fight. Everything about it is, is great. And, and, um, suddenly what happens is, is Coogan gets sick. Right. The, the sort of like, um, the equivalent of CPS. They say, is, they say, yeah, send a doctor to, a, to, to, to look at the kid. And the doctor looks at where they're living and goes, holy fuck. Let's Let's get this kid out of here. Yeah. In the meantime, the woman, we understand the woman who'd abandoned him has made it. Right. She's, she's become famous mm-hmm. and rich, and, and she's trying to sort of make up for the fact that she's she's abandoned this kid early Very on in her life. Very great expectations at this point. By being um, uh, charitable, mm-hmm. including yeah. in this neighborhood and meeting Jackie Coogan a few times, not knowing that it's her own child. Right. And so somehow, you know, through this convoluted storyline with a note, she understands that that's her kid. Right. She runs that, across the note, sees that, oh, this is the one I fucking wrote, and then goes and... But it's just, I mean, and then stuff happens. And, and, and uh, you know, there's no, we don't need to go through the whole plot. But but it's so... It's so um, it's so interesting. The writing is interesting. Yeah. Um, the the physical is comedy is, is crazy. The chase scene, the Chaplin chasing, being chased yeah. by a cop over the roofs mm-hmm. to try to catch up with with little Jackie Coogan who's screaming for his father from the back of a truck. Right. You feel for the kid. Yeah. 
Um, I think it's it's a, a, a I mean it's tr- actually literally okay. heartwarming. Yeah. I mean it's just fucking great. It I is. love this movie a lot. It is, and it hurts me to like not not to not have a cynical fucking bone to pick. Yeah. With any of this movie, and I simply do not. Yeah, it's just a, it's a definitely a feel good movie, and it's if you, you can't know, feel good watching this movie, there's something fucking wrong with you. And that the hard. fact that it's silent, I get that. That's that's a turn off to some people, but it's an hour long. And it's got jaunty music. Just fucking stick with it. It's yeah. really, really good. Um, this I've film, historically had a problem with silent movies. This movie did not give me no. problems at all, man. No. I was right there. It's fantastic. And so this film comes on the heel. Now, he, he had been married once. He was famously married four times. And his first marriage had, had dissolved before the making of this film. And part of the reason is they had had a child who died. Oh. And so there's a theory that this was his trying to sort of rectify. You know, that, hmm. that Chaplin wasn't actually... Um, in in the outside of the screen and outside of the studio was not very emotive. Like he put all of his emotions into this he was character. Kind of, kind of famously a bastard in a lot of ways. In, in some ways, yeah. he was a cool cucumber, and so mm-hmm. that maybe this is his way of sort of emoting all the time, you right. know. And and so he he plays out the story with this kid who mm-hmm. you know his kid had died. Well, you can see, and you can see, like you can see his caring for the kid, like yeah. in the scenes where he's chasing after the kid yeah. as he's being you know whisked away by child protective services. Like that, that's there's there's a there's, there's a genuine emotion behind oh, yeah. what he's doing. That's he's really got it. He knows what he's through. talking. And he you know, he had all these problems himself. You know, he came from came from London. His father had had uh, walked out on the family. Right. He the, was in. A, he had been in a workhouse or something. Because like his that. mother was in an insane asylum, so right. he'd been in a workhouse twice by the time he was 11 years old. Yeah. Um, out in the streets on his own, entertaining people. So I mean, it's a real rags to riches story. He's a real Dreiser story too. When you he think about himself him. is a Dreiser story. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so all of that stuff sort of I think plays into the background and stuff, and then of course there's a side story of Jackie Coogan, who's like, oh. you know, you got the you got the Coogan's Law, which is like better off as an orphan. This kid would have been. Yeah, well, he had, he made all this money as a kid, three or four million dollars, yeah. which was huge in those mm-hmm. days. And by the time he was about college age, just before he was like turned twenty, when he would inherit all his hard earned money. Um, his, his father had died six months earlier right. in a car accident, mm-hmm. um, and his mother and the new husband had been spending it all. And like, like shamelessly, like, well, you know, he had a good time making those movies. I don't right. know what he's complaining about. And so right. we have a Coogan's Law yeah. as a result. Well, they created law. They created laws. Yeah, to try to help child actors not get fucked over by their parents. Later yeah, on. and he had he had this sort of an up and down life. He was married to Betty Grable in the thirties before so the whole sort of the whole pinup thing. Mm-hmm. Well, here's something I didn't know. Until I know recently. about him in some some of his later movies, but not this. Do you know about him and his later television show? Fucking talk to me, no. Called The Addams Family, a certain Fester. That's Fester. Fuck you, really? No, yeah, totally. Get off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a dignified answer. But, end to but a he'd, fall, he'd right. fallen on hard times in the meantime, and, sure. and apparently, like, uh, Chaplin had a soft spot, would give him like a thousand bucks once in a while to sort of like see him through or something. Right. So he still had that soft spot, you know, mm-hmm. as his sort of procty, uh, uh, proxy, uh, as, proctolo- child. as yeah. his proctologist. As his proctologist. Yeah. What an asshole. Yeah, god damn it. Yeah, so so that one to me is, is the most sort of like, it's the roughest film in some yeah. ways in terms of filmmaking. I mean, it's, it's too blunt at times but it's like it's made up for by by his sort of like um acrobatic comedic sensibilities yeah, yeah. And, and a great director obviously and fam- of himself and really fabulous if if overtly tight directing very oh, yeah. fabulous directing okay so then now we turn to 1925 now 1925 this for a long time was my favorite chaplin movie <laughs> to me it's the 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 best product that he made as an extension of his early silent work. Because after this, he gets into like kind of more modern and weird and avant-garde filmmaking. Right. So this is like the last... His politics sort of, start taking over more overtly. Too. Definitely. So this is the last sort of like um, classic sort of like tramp, right. you know. And it's... it's um, 
it, it, he, he said it was his favorite movie, the one he wanted to be remembered for, actually. Mm-hmm. We can see that. It, it's got a lot of interesting things to it. It's got two sort of plot lines, first yeah. of all. And mm-hmm. the first is just, you know, all the situations he can get in as a, a prospector in Alaska. Right. And in, 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 his, in his awkward non-prospecting like outfit, you know, he's the tramp still in the middle of this, in the middle of being a gold prospector. Yep. Everybody else looks much more realistically like their prospectors. He looks like he belongs. He still belongs, you know, in Skid Row. Oh yeah, absolutely. as opposed to the boonies, you know, the snowy boonies of Alaska. So, so, so he sort of winds. He starts the film um, sharing a cabin with two behemoth monsters, right? Two monstrous people. One of them who is a who's a known murderer, Black Barlow, I think his name is, or yep. something like that. And then Big Jim, who's a guy who's got who's got access to a giant mountain of gold. He's found, he's found his discovery, but they're all trapped in this cabin because of a huge snowstorm that's blown through, and rather comedically. Blows only one direction, yeah, through the front door and out the back door. So that's true. Yeah. It's a lot of side gags with the, with that the, that the, the the alignment of those doors play a huge part in the beginning of this. But movie. it's I mean again like the it's the first part of the film because it's so sort of premise driven. It's all about him showing off his sort of like classic from his shorts boom, comedic boom, boom. physical chops. I mean like he's there's the immigrant. It is a film where he plays an immigrant from sure. Europe, and it's on a boat that's rocking back and forth. And what he does with a rocking boat as as the other sort of players are, are throwing <laughs> off, the, off the side of the boat uh-huh. is incredible. Like, uh-huh. I don't know how he wants that kind of balance. Right. Um, and so he's sort of showing off his skills almost for the last well, time. There's this sense of, okay, congratulations. There's, there's this sense about this movie, though, where it's almost like it is like it's, a, it's almost as... Um, it's a clipped together grouping of his shorts, basically. Yeah. I mean, there's really Certainly, there's yeah. a lot of uh, is the, there's a quality where there is a through line in a story, but it's so sort of you know patched together that it looks like it's a bunch of you know you know uh, short short you know short movies patched together into this one larger one. Yeah, I get I, I grant you that mm-hmm. much more so than the kid. The kid was yeah. pretty much all of a piece moving in one direction. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, the other thing is then we have the second storyline here, which is. Um, once he gets out of the storm and, and, and go, gets into town and he hasn't made any money as a, mm-hmm. as a prospector, um, it's his interaction with the town and specifically right. with a showgirl. Or What's a, her name? Georgia. Georgia. I used to want to see Gloria, but I know that's not right. Yet. And it's like, you know, everyone there is kind of a burly <laughs> asshole. All the guys mm-hmm. are sort of dicks and they'll, fucking, they'll punch you out for fun. Right. And she's way uh, too pretty to be in this rape fest. Yeah, definitely as compared, especially compared with her compadres mm-hmm. there. Um, yeah, but the thing is, what what I sort of second makes me second guess this movie in terms of how much I like it anymore is this: it, it's what it's trying to be sentimental and sweet and sad about is really just purely him, mm-hmm. because I, there's really nothing to sympathize about with her. She's kind of a coos. <laughs> I mean, she spends most pretty, of the say, movie just fucking say, with him. I would say manipulative is definitely, yeah, manipulative and kind of a, yeah, okay, I can see that. Yeah, yeah I mean, she's she's a real, I mean, she she literally just plays tricks on him to like leave him expecting her on New Year's Eve and like lonely right. in a house where he's he's worked hard and set up a party <laughs> and like, oh, right, I forgot about that tramp that we fucked over. And it's like scene after scene uh, yeah. where she does that and he, I mean, I can sympathize. We've all been there where it's like, oh, well, I think she still loves me. The mean mistreater of a woman, uh, sure. Yeah, 100%. But, it, but, the, but the thing is, it only only makes the sympathy fall back on him and he you know he's good for it he's he knows how to play that that mm-hmm. sort of card and and make it sometimes really funny and sometimes really sweet but the kid um and and and, and later on in our third movie i think that he's it's best when it's transferred off someone else that you can also sympathize with when okay. it's back and forth between him and coogan right and in the, in the film we're going to talk about later with him and the, the woman in that film sure sure 
um, you have a, like a sensibility that he's part of something big that you want to be part of. This right. one, you just feel bad for him. Right, right. And I know, and I, and, and I guess that's kind of a big thing. Like one of the things that the Tramp is always supposed to be doing was eliciting sympathy. You know, to be in the every man who, you yeah. know, the every man who fucks up or yeah, yeah. for which things just don't go correct, don't go right for him. So. Yeah. No, I'm still kind of an amateur on the, on the whole Charlie Chaplin thing, but I dig, I really dug, the, a lot of the sight gags in the Gold Rush are yeah. just priceless. They are, for, oh, for sure. Absolutely fucking brilliant. Yeah, yeah. You know, some of the, some of the stuff going on in there. The, the bear, the... <laughs> Of course, there's a fucking bear, and of course, like the cops and the no cops in the cabin, yeah. he had to back into the bear. Well, for of course, some, some, he's fighting with a guy in a fur coat. For some reason, the guy um, uh, puts a pillowcase over his head to beat him up more, uh-huh. and then that guy blows out the out the door through the wind, and the bear comes well, in. The so bear. now he's he's with a pillowcase over his head, fighting, wrestling with a bear, right. Considering that the bear isn't much, isn't actually that much bigger than the guy he was originally fighting, he gives mm-hmm. up the ghost pretty quickly on that one. Yep. Or, or what about this? Isn't this like, did this appear in any movie before, or has it just appeared in every movie since? Which is the guy starving in a cabin who looks over at his compatriot, <laughs> who turns into an enormous fucking chicken. I remember those cartoons as a kid. <laughs> you look was, over, the guy looks like a chicken leg or of a course steak. It was in every fucking Looney Tunes cartoon or ever. Tom did and they, Jerry, yeah. Did they steal it from this? I'm pretty I think sure they, they must have. have. Yeah. I mean, what it's the fuck gr- was before this? It's a great that. idea. Uh, Oh, it's a, his wonderful. dissolves are like like D.W. Griffith and, and the people before him with silent films were doing these dissolves just almost to say like I can do a dissolve but I don't know what to do with it he actually does amazing things with dissolves yes the dream state well also going back to the kid by the way that mm-hmm. whole sort of Fellini moment for about two or three minutes at the end where he falls asleep and has a dream that he's in heaven and yeah. everyone has wings and he's flying around with this kid yeah that was brilliant and out of nowhere and by the way no studio would have approved that I no. mean another another sort of victory for United Artists I right, would say right, right? Right, right yeah yeah so so anyway so back to the gold rush I mean uh, did you like it better than the kid or about the same or I like him for very different reasons I think that I think I like the I like the kid more from a sentimental reason I because it just affects now. me more yeah but the gold rush Funny. It's just fucking it's funny. Just There's a lot fucking, of funny moments in that movie. I mean, my only problem is it sort of ends in this sort of like um, you know feel good moment, mm-hmm. which is fine. Yeah. I, I, with Chaplin, I accept a good a feel good moment. I'll be okay with um, that. It's just that it it's so undeserved with her. And it's, again, it sounds like I just have a problem with this woman. She really is mean yeah. in this movie. And then suddenly, yeah. it's like she's sort of nice, and and it's like and that makes it all okay. The, the last the <laughs> last hour and a half have been fine. That's <laughs> all right. Ridiculous. She only drinks on the weekend off. Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. Yes. All right, well, so nineteen twenty. So then, then there's oh. nineteen um, thirty six. Oh, and society is now a mean mistreater. Yeah, well, it's it's modern times, and right and, in the middle of the fucking depression. This is a great expression of that. Well, yeah. So speaking of modern times, I mean, now now something's happened, which which is for nine years, eight or nine years, there's been sound film, and mm-hmm. and. Chaplin's like, all right, I'll have noises. Oh, <laughs> oh, God. Because there's almost no dialogue. There really is no dialogue except for like a, a radio saying something. Or you know, I mean it's like very vague. Any yeah, sort of dialogue. Like the boss man. There's like this big brotherish wow. character in in the factory where he works and he yeah. shouts orders. So that comes through. Sort um, of, but like move, machine. I mean, yeah. it sounds like a, a computer. Yeah. But 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 so he works in a factory. And I mean, first of all, the set design on this is crazy. Well, first of all, I got to say they, they took. Um, have you ever seen Metropolis? No. They took a shit ton of ideas out of Metropolis. There's a lot of Metropolis in this movie. You can see that going into it. Okay. Okay, and which is good because it's a, a lot of the same sort of thing. You know, the mm-hmm. the, the human being uh, who is enslaved entirely to 
the you know the conveniences of modern living essentially. Well, it's I think no mistake that the boss in this looked like a combination of Calvin Coolidge and Henry Ford. Yeah, I mean much. because it really was a sort of like your your whole life is designed around um, repetitive motion that right. will drive you insane. Completely bananas. And watching him at the beginning of the movie with his, his job wrench. is just tight with the two wrenches just tightening these bolts. two sets of bolts like yep. over and fucking over yep. again as the guy up top keeps going faster, faster. But everything it's becomes just, a bolt to him. So like like hilariously, uh, at some point he walks outside and this fat woman comes with a coat and she's got like bolt shaped like, buttons. buttons right over her titties. right over her titties, <laughs> man. <laughs> so I like the fact that there's that moment where you yeah. see that and you like you don't even need to know what's going to happen yeah. next. You know that's going to oh that's, absolutely absolutely yeah. he sees them and then boom next thing you know he's chasing her Benny Hill style down the street, <laughs> man. Nah, 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 nah. So the whole so opening with that factory, which is like it's it's ingenious in terms of like yeah. it has the famous scene where he he accidentally goes through the gears. Yes, himself. Um, Which but, is oh, and of course the feeding machine. Oh my! They want to save. Money. They want to save money on their workers' lunches, yeah. so they come up with this feeding machine. Yeah. Which you have seen. Everybody, I think everybody in North America has seen clips of this. Well, also everyone has shamelessly stolen it. Um, Woody Allen's um, sleeper bananas. It's yeah. bananas. Where before he quits his job and goes down to South America, there's an exercise machine. It's mm-hmm. just a thinly veiled version of this eating machine, right? right? right Doing right. like sixteen things at once to yeah. to uh, you know make your world more to, efficient. Trying to kill him with a fucking <laughs> with a, a cob of corn. Just bang, bang, bang. But there's the thing, as he whenever lovely. whenever Chaplin's getting bludgeoned, mm-hmm. he's also like half smiling and half fearful. And yeah, he's and, just and a little bit <laughs> and, and confused and a little angry. He's got all these emotions going on in his face. He's Who the fuck can pull that physically off? Physically brilliant, this yeah, guy. It's lovely, man. Yeah, so there's, like, there's indignation in there. Like, how, how do I sense indignation? But it's there, man. It's amazing. So it's like he's he's driven insane. He goes to an insane asylum, right? Um, and and then somewhere, oh, and he escapes, <laughs> and this is and then he just wanders out out on yeah, the street. Yeah. They let him loose. He's wandering down the street. He happens to see a flag. Yeah, picks he it up. Picks it up because oh, it just dropped fell off your a flag, truck. Somebody hey, he's trying to get paid, run it back to the truck that it fell off of. Meanwhile, a fucking parade of communists comes in behind. around the corner and follows him, <laughs> uh, holding this red flag. And it's a long time before uh, he even notices the crowd fuck. behind him. Of course, he's seen by the police as the, the head the agitator. Head the commie. Head next thing you know, he's being rolled up. He's in the old hooskow. Head into the gal of hooskis, which is its own, of course, great scene. You know, every great, you know, whether it's Abbott and Costello or three. Has to go to prison at yeah. some point, right? Always great. Always with the, with, the, with the incredibly threatening like guy. It never turns into Oz, but no, it yeah. never even yeah. But it's there, you know. It's there, right? And and um and, and, oh my god, yeah. Please hold on. This movie has a coke bender, cocaine. Yeah, he has a cocaine bender in the middle of fucking prison. <laughs> Holy shit! What the fuck did this? This movie is also joyful on a completely oh, different nuts. level than the other two were joyful, I'm... but it is so inventive. This one is what the movie? most inventive in terms of the script and set design and crazy. Did shit. They have cocaine before the 1980s. No, but it's yeah, it's like I think they call it like uh, he had a little. He ran across a little, little nose powder, powder, which which he he mistakes for salt, and of course goes absolutely bananas. And right. somehow go, through going bananas, um, uh, shuts I mean, down some stop. sort of rebellion. Yeah, yeah, like there's going to be like a, like a prison riot, and they're going to let him. It. They're going to let him out of jail early, for which he is saddened because he's finally found a place where he belongs. Yes, absolutely. So it's like, how there's do I get butt sex at night? <laughs> there's nobody. There's no. There's no. There's no like fucking little bolts that he has to chase across a fucking belt. Yeah, I like it here. So so it's like, how do I get back in the jail? And then and then this other sort of um, area, the subplot comes in. So this 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 wastrel, this but this vagabond girl. Mm-hmm. Comes in and she's uh, basically stealing, trying to keep her family afloat. 
Yep. Right? She's got her she's got her little sisters, the whole nine yards. Uh, in the meantime, when Joe's now like he's now uh, he's uh, ordering a pizza from Domino's. No, no, it's looking at it's Paulette Godard. Paulette Godard, um, who is striking, striking. Well, that was his third third wife. Actually, I mean the really? woman, the, the shitty woman in the Gold Rush was also Pretty not true. a not a wife, but like I think she she bore she, one of his children. She blew him. No, I mean I think they actually had a like a child together or something. I mean it was just sort of like yeah, they definitely had a relationship. And that well, was he ejaculated his... her at some point. Well, we can a... agree to that. Well, that's the thing with Chaplin. It's like I mean maybe I'm just so fooled by his um, <laughs> mm-hmm. by his uh, persona on the screen and the lovability. I I I want to believe that rather than being a Weinstein type, that that he actually kind of just fell in love with women serially. Yeah, I like to think. That I think too. he might have. And this woman, by the way, is my favorite. Yeah. She might be one of my favorite of all time. And for some reason, there's just something about her that is just perplexingly awesome. Yeah. I mean, she's obviously beautiful, but something about her spirit as part of the mm. script, but her physicality, everything her else. Eyes, she's, she's got those expressive eyes, even, even for a silent too, yeah. era actress. She's got fucking eyes. So, so it's like he falls in love with her and he's, he's trying to sort of take, take on her crime it, right for, of, of stealing bread. And, yeah, she's and, yeah she's about to be arrested for stealing bread. He he tries to cop the plea for it. Yeah, they'll so send him back. It'll save her. Perfect, perfect match. And it's got this great the song you know, smile though your heart is breaking, which is a, a Chaplin composition. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. He's he's done a few of them that Gosh. that became standards. You know, mm-hmm. one in City Lights a few years before this. His relationship with the blind girl. Okay, gotta watch that. It, I, well, he's that. fucking fascinating. I mean, I actually I'm I'm sort of trying to hold off on your whole great dictator thing because I think there are criticisms that are valid, but. Anyway, well, well now that being said, I haven't seen the whole thing. I got to be honest. I've, uh, seen, okay. I've seen it in parts over the years. I think it gets too bad a rap, but mm. but I mean, there's a whole there's a whole like his last. Few, we'll get back to this in a second, but the last few films like um, Monsieur um, Verdot and Limelight and another one like that he made in the fifties mm-hmm. um, that I haven't seen, and I've heard a lot of mixed sort of reviews about those. But well, I think but, he's uh, solid all the way through the forties. By the time that he was doing that, he was really trying to get away from the tramp, right? He wasn't doing the tramp at all at that point. Right? Uh, no, and I think probably starting with The Great Dictator, hmm, which okay. just afterwards. Now he he was with uh, Paula Godard all the way through like forty three. They divorced, and he took up with his fourth wife, who was Eugene O'Neill's daughter. Wow, and also. Uh, J.D. Salinger's intended. J.D. Salinger went off to war and, and read in the newspaper that Chaplin had married his girl. <laughs> what? That's got to be a bittersweet moment. Oh, You're yeah. Like, wow, that sucks. But but my old lady's, my old my ex-old lady's now fucking a superstar. J.D. Salinger was none too fucking happy about I it. I would imagine that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, so going back to 1936. And, and, and so then this other thing happens, which is like, okay, he has something to live for and even stay out of jail for. Right. And it's this relationship for the first time in his life that he can find some sort of happiness. And it, this is what I'm talking about. It goes back to the thing with the kid. The thing that the gold rush was missing is mm-hmm. it's not just sympathizing That's with his shitty position. Person, yeah. yeah, it's connecting with someone and their connection. You know, they're dead broke and they, they end up living in this horrific shack. <laughs> but everything to them is a luxury. Right. You know, it's, it's near the water. You know, it's like near the East River with bodies floating in it. But it's right. like it's this morning bathing Time. And they're, they're time together. Well, it's so actually like in the kid, like the first, his first appearance is, and on his morning constitutional. Yeah. He's not going for a walk or yeah. a stroll. He's not going. He's not going anywhere with purpose. He's yeah, going yeah. for a constitutional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's that little bit of dignity in the in the tramp. It reminds me of someone I do a podcast with. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Tom goes for his constitution. <laughs> 
Okay. So, um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about this movie. I mean, the the, yep. the the cinematography, aside from the set designs, which are incredible, and you're saying kind a little bit of a ripoff of Metropolis. Well, I mean, it wasn't every almost. That's the thing about Metropolis. Metropolis's set design was so good, everything yep. ripped it off a little bit. Okay. That's been future based. But but it's also something about, um, and it's not just the print. Although although I think both of us watched a good print. Uh-huh. It's um, there's something very crisp about the direction right. in this film that's that's maybe a little missing from the other two. The other two were, were very heavy on the routines, right. and he's slipping a little out of... I mean, he's still the tramp, but he's not really the tramp <laughs> right. anymore. Right. And so he slipped out of that, and he's replaced like the routines, the mm-hmm. physical routines, with story right. and like and like visuals and like the you know the set design and all the sort of sure. absurdities of life. Yeah, that are I, not just his absurdities. Here's the thing. I guess okay. I want I, I want to bring it down to the thing. Yeah. If you can watch just the clip, go on YouTube and watch the clip of him doing the potato dance, yeah, and not yeah. want to see the rest of that fucking that movie. That is great. You have yeah. no soul. How does they he come up with these. That's brilliant. They're just fucking. They're they're nearly a century old, yeah. and they're fucking brilliant. And I. I, I in preparation, I'd seen um, the first two, and mm-hmm. I'd seen part of the third one. Um, I'm watching a movie that old, and li- I'm laughing out loud, and surprised loud. every time I'm out loud laughing mm-hmm. that I'm wow, I'm actually laughing at a movie from 1921 this yeah. openly. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty amazing. Yeah, he and was that train agrees. Genius. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. Oh God, sorry, buddy. I know so you don't your, like so that. So do your toenails clickety clack. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so yeah. Anyway, so that's it. I think I think we're so so. I thought you had a problem with Chaplin. I was anticipating some shitty Tom problem with Chaplin. Oh, what are you talking about? The man who hates blues. Fuck you. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, <laughs> you're, um, the, you're the hater, my friend. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, listen. No, you can amazing. We, we're stockpiling um, Finley's Fine Reserve secret episodes available mm-hmm. only to Patreon subscribers at the five dollars per month level or more. Yeah. We had promised you two a month, but we are, you know, and that's our promise. That's our obligation. But well, we are stockpiling them like yeah. crazy. Um, so you're missing out. If you like what we do here, it's the same thing there. It's pretty there. much the same thing, but there's <laughs> just more of it to be A variety had. there. There's more of it to love, man. More of us to love, if you will, man. <laughs> Two cups of coffee a month. Yeah. God damn it. There's a, an airplane. By the way, the airplane. you get the great production value. <laughs> now, Tommy, aside from uh, telling friends to be Patreon uh, supporters, becoming Patreon be supporters patriotic, themselves, my friends. reviewing, rating reviews on iTunes, mm-hmm. uh, do you have any business, my friend? Yeah, go check me out on uh, tomsmithcomedy.com. Ooh, I try to keep that up to date on comedian. shows where the I comedy. am a showin'. Mm-hmm. Come on down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ta-da. Okay, very good. Well, Tommy, smile. Mr. Finley. Smile though your heart is diseased.